KDI. Uh, this is, I'm Kim Umstead, and we are launching our inaugural podcast episode of Awkward she First Hustles. <laughs> already said I'm Kim Umstead and I'm with Kelsey Best and we're talking about women in the workplace women in the workplace our friends our allies our family members all everyone knows and or loves I hope a woman <laughs> um, <laughs> so why are we doing this Kelsey what what how did this start uh, well we were trying to figure out ways to um, engage folks through other mediums with yeah. Woman Nation. We've got the Wind Down Wednesday, which is a little bit more lighthearted, but we wanted to talk about some of the more um, serious or substantive topics as it relates to being a woman in the workplace. That was amazing pronunciation of substantive. Thank Subs- you. Subs- yep, I thought about it. Like five seconds before I said yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I clearly, I tried <laughs> and failed. Substantive. Yes. Great. Awesome. So uh, we are doing this. I, I really feel like it's time to, like, start some conversations about mm-hmm. women in the workplace, you know? Um, we, we're there. We're not always silent, no. Nope, but there are not. issues we come across that I'm not sure even every woman knows about or understands fully. So I think it's a really good time to go ahead and start those conversations. Um, so Kelsey, tell me a little bit about your RDI story. Like how the heck did you start here and what what's that path look like? Yeah, so um, I started at RDI almost nine years ago. Um, I was unemployed at the time, but I had worked in call centers before. I knew somebody who worked here and said that there was a training class coming up for Delia's, which was a uh, catalog company for teenage girls. I love catalog companies for teenage girls. It was a fun time. It was a fun time. Um, But yeah, I started out on the phones as an agent. I moved over to the email team. Um, I then started managing the email team and eventually um, accidentally started managing the program for... (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of happened. Me and uh, Krita Marshall just kind of took it over. Love Did the stuff nobody was doing. So that was our baby for probably about two years. And from there, I was a program manager about five years. um, And I've been the site director for the Blue Ash location for a little over two years now. Oh, my gosh. Time flies when you're having fun, you know? Certainly does. Certainly does. Learning and growing all over the place. But yeah, I've been in Woman Nation for every single iteration. And I think <laughs> just like you, Kim. Yes. Um, and I'm excited we finally are doing something like this because um, these are important topics. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about them and hear what other people think. Yeah. And I really think this is a great platform. If you have suggestions or questions, comments, concerns you have about women in the workplace, you can hit us up. Uh, we'll have our emails and the podcast links and all that jazz. That Facebook. Yes, Facebook. That's a thing. Um, maybe even LinkedIn, you know, hashtag personal brand. Um, <laughs> I haven't figured out LinkedIn yet. Uh, you haven't? I should probably do that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's have a conversation about personal brand, uh, personal branding. Uh, eventually. Don't look at me okay. like that. All right. <laughs> 
think I gotta figure out who I am first. Like a bit... I mean, do you? Do you have to know who you are in, in order to know what you're good at? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, a little bit of my background, I guess. Uh, I am Kim Umstead. I've worked at RDI for eight years. So we're we're right around 2012, 2013. 2013. All right. Right in February. Beginning. Okay. I um moved from Florida with three suitcases and was like, hey, you know what's really good for people? Money. So I decided to inquire as to jobs that I could have that aren't on a college campus or at a Barnes and Noble bookstore. Um, I love that job. I love that job. 40% off discount. That would be pretty, be pretty sweet. I hung out in bookstores quite a bit. 40% off discount. I don't know why I don't still work there. Oh yeah, because I moved from Florida. (laughs) And now you work at RDI. Yes. So I started on the phones um, and I was dialing and that was really hard as a person with severe social anxiety, um, which is a lot like talking to, uh, a bunch of strangers on the internet, which is what we're doing now. Um, <laughs> but it's on full circle. I, I have, you know, here we're we're embracing our fears. We're becoming better. We're manifesting what we need to be. Um, so <laughs> I started working at RDI based off of the suggestion of one of my family members um, who worked here for like five minutes. And <laughs> eight years later, she still asked me, "Are you? Are you at RDI?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Um, so I've made a home here. I started on the phones. I worked in QA for a hot minute. By hot minute, I mean like five years. <laughs> and uh, then I transitioned to learning and development, which is what I do now, building content for our clients specifically and content for our just our people. And how, so how would we... do you build our LMS courses? Uh, some of them, not all of them, but take the LMS course, folks. Kim yeah. made it. Don't let her down. <laughs> Please don't uh, <laughs> let me down. Um, no, I'm I'm really excited uh, because every time I'm a lifelong learner, so every time I get to build a course, I get to learn something new, and so I'm really I'm really just getting paid to research things on the internet, and I really like that. Uh, you know, I learned last night when I was researching for this episode, I think I would also enjoy researching for money. It's it's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. Rabbit uh, holes galore. I get the opportunity to use the, the non-degree that I have in writing and <laughs> <laughs> build courses. Um, so, yeah, RDI has done a lot for me. Uh, RDI, I, I feel, has done a lot for you. Mm-hmm. We're both here to give back to the people who have given to us. So let's go ahead and jump in. Yeah. So our inaugural topic. I like, I just like that word. It, it makes me feel word. presidential. Yep. Like, like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm Kamala Harris. Yes. You are Jill Biden. And I'm, I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. But I'll be Michelle Obama. I like that a lot she better. She doesn't want to be in politics. No, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but she had a banging Gucci belt. It was a good belt. Uh, Anyway, our inaugural topic is how the pandemic has impacted working mothers. This one was picked by me. I feel very passionately about this topic. Number one, I am a working mother. Number two, I want to say 60 plus percent of our employees are working mothers. 
that is an arbitrary number. Would really like to know that actual number. I you think know? we've done surveys about that before. Um, but I do know that a large majority of our employees are working mothers. Mm-hmm. And um, I struggle with it. I know that folks at all levels are struggling with with balancing um, the nightmare that has been this pandemic. Um, oh, and boy. so I want to talk about it. I, I mean, It's definitely worth talking about. I am not... A working mother, unless you count my beautiful cat named Candace Catherine. Um, <laughs> fur babies can count. For I mean, I, I provide the tuna money. So, um, yeah, but I'm not a working mother, but I'm really interested to hear your perspective because I know this affects, it doesn't just affect working mothers. It does affect working fathers, too. Yep. But working mothers particularly have been isolated during this experience. Yes. And, and it's there are unique challenges to being a working mother um, when you're not dealing with uh, most of the world being sick. Correct. So <laughs> yeah, dealing with a deadly virus uh, lurking in every corner. Yeah. So we'll talk about a couple couple of different things today. I do want to start with some data, um, but I'm also like we said, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. We want to hear from folks on the Woman Nation Facebook page. You can always shoot us some emails. Um, with questions or comments that you'd like us to share on future episodes. Um, But we'll be changing up the topic every week uh, as we talk about issues and have discussions about things that women face in the workplace. So, yeah. And I mean, if you have an issue that you're passionate about, hit us up. Be a guest on She Who Hustles. This is exciting, exciting times. We love to research clearly, uh, but we love it when you research more. So (laughs) I think we also should add that part of the podcast series will be going through the book discussions that Woman Nation Academy is actually having. So Kim... What is the book? Sure. Uh, so first, I would go, what is Woman Nation Academy? Um, first, that's a really great question. Woman Nation Academy is a leadership development opportunity that we offer uh, to, obviously, women in leadership. <laughs> there are specific courses that we go through, like what is emotional intelligence, um, how to identify your purpose in life and live a purpose-driven life. Um, so questions like that but we also do read a book which is the secret thoughts of successful women um i can't remember the author off the top of my head but uh she has a phd i remember that so uh, (laughs) she's smart yeah she's smart (laughs) um so you can uh we'll put a link to the book too in the podcast notes and uh You can read along with us. Uh, We're going to be having discussions on the first, uh, we go like three or four chapters at a time. So chapters one through four, uh, we'll give you a heads up before we start reading that. And then you can listen to our discussions, listen to the questions that we ask, and hopefully drive some thinking power. Yes. So, yeah, um, that's that was really good. Thank you for reminding us. Yeah, I figured we should probably Yeah, it's going to be a great book. Very excited. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple of different things today as it relates to um, mothers and and how they've been impacted by the pandemic. And we'll spend just a few minutes first to talk about um, some numbers. I'm a data geek, so I did some research. No, data is very important, especially 
like, I don't know. Every time I come to the table with these uh, topics, I feel like I need to prove something. No, no, this really exists. (laughs) I cited my sources. (laughs) (laughs) This really does exist. It's not just my experience. Um, So thank you for bringing data to the table. (laughs) Cool. So, okay. So what I found was the most interesting, and um, we did just talk about this, but um, women actually overtook men in workforce participation in the United States for the first time ever. Man. Matt Dowd, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, we can pause for our boss. <laughs> we, need, we need an on-air sign. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, so women took over or overtook men in workforce participation in, for just a few months in 2020. Um, and then we all know what happened in March of 2020. March 13th, Friday the 13th, I was sent that home. That is the date that I have in my mind, too, March 13th. That is our, our pandemic anniversary. That is the date that I bought the last roll of toilet paper at Kroger and went home for four weeks and did not leave. Yep. Um, very scary time. And honestly, like, can we just talk about the pandemic for a hot second? Yep. Because honestly, if I had been told a year ago, hey, a year from now, <laughs> you're still going to be doing this, I probably just would have, I don't know what I would have done. I don't think that I could have handled it. So, like, the resilience that just everyone has put up with, tr- like, the resilience of just going through this pandemic wearing a mask every day if you if you wear a mask please wear a mask Mm -hmm. um wearing a mask every day or not going places that or one thing that i have started feeling is when i go to the grocery store you know just to have fun and see humans um (laughs) target for me (laughs) i feel guilty for doing that and i'm like should i just be staying home probably but Gosh darn it. I Yeah, it is tough. I that that bit has worn off. I think I did that in I felt that way back in like probably last spring. But mm. um as a mother, you hit up Kroger about fifty times a week. I really love the click list. Especially <laughs> I don't. It's always wrong. Really? <laughs> always wrong. Oh, I've gotten extra things before. Anyway, off topic. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> Okay, so yes, we're talking about working mothers today, but I think before we get there, I think we should talk about um, women who, mothers who were working prior to COVID and what happened once COVID hit. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll cite all of our sources, I guess, in the um, show notes. The show notes. That's what podcasters call those. Right. But we're not official enough to like truly talk about all the sources uh, here, um, but just a couple of interesting Facts, right? So I said that women overtook men in the workforce for like two months in 2020, for which a hot had second. never happened in the history of That's time. Very exciting, given that we're half the population. So right, um, and then COVID hit, and I think numbers. Think what I saw yesterday, but numbers as of October, or maybe it was early January, was up to two million women left the workforce That's- since COVID hit. That's two million. Two million too many. I don't, I don't know. People can leave the workforce if they want. Um, but that's a lot of people. That's like full-on cities. So here's what's even more sad. Um, the share of women in the workforce is back down to where it was in 1988, which was the year that I was born. Shut up. I was born in 90. Oh, that makes me feel old. 
32 years ago. We went back 32 years in less than 12 months. And that was like, that was like shoulder pads. That was like Big blue hair, eyeshadow. Blue eyeshadow. Melanie Griffith. Sisters yep. doing it for themselves. Yeah. I was barely alive. I I was negative years born. It wasn't even a thought. No, I mean, maybe a thought. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's super, it, it's. Women have been hit especially hard, and I think we could probably have an entire podcast series on the reasons why women are stepping up and taking on more roles. Like, this is not – I don't want to get into a men-bashing situation, but mm-hmm. I think in in the majority of households, right, like, historically, typically, not always, uh, men are the breadwinners. They work a more regular schedule. Um, they work in certain industries that allow some more flexibility, um, and women raise the children. That's the nuclear family that we've grown to know and challenge. Yeah, and, and women are often seen as the default decision makers for the household. That is correct. I think that's the major difference between, like, probably not the root cause, mm-hmm. but just when someone's got to work, it's typically... The, the husband's yeah or, I mean yeah, spouse my husband's amazing he mm-hmm. does the dishes he does the cooking because I cannot be trusted to make food <laughs> and so I just want to make that clear because he'll probably <laughs> listen to this um I would say that the amount of household lift right as in like work share of the work is pretty split in our personal situation Um, But I am the one managing everything in my mind, right? Like, I know when we need milk. I know when we need toilet paper. I know when we need all of the things and when we need to do all of the things. And I kind of delegate out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah. I mean, that's just kind of where we are as a society. Um, I think it's slowly shifting, but this has probably put a big, big damper on that progress. Um, Yeah. And I would say, like, a lot of the issues that we're going to come across regarding feminism, I, I don't think, I think we're sort of past or passing the outright era of just hatred towards women mm-hmm. or thinking that women are less than. I mean, don't quote me on that if you look at your local news comment section on Facebook. Ooh. But <laughs> that please don't is just look weird. at your local news comment section. If on you Facebook. love yourself, don't look at that <laughs> section. But um but a lot of this is just unintentional consequences of the way society is yep. society has been set up. Uh so by talking about those, becoming aware of those, we can make steps and change and movement towards a better solution. Yep. So some of the stuff I found interesting, this has actually been coined a she session. which Like a a session? Instead of a recession, a she she session. session. Okay. Whereas, um, and and that's that's, what I read from this UPenn article said that um, women are three times more likely than men to not be working due to childcare demands, which Mm. lowers career earnings. Duh. If you're not working, you're not making money. Retirement savings, chances for promotions, economic independence, which I think is something that probably doesn't get talked about enough. Absolutely. We we talk about household income, but we don't talk about independence. um, And why that's important. And why it's very important, but probably a topic for another day. (laughs) Whereas the 2008 recession, right, the housing bubble burst, 
um, was called the man session. Called the man session because, and this I found very interesting, it more heavily affected sectors that employed men, like construction, financial services, yada, yada, yada. I just immediately thought Wall Street. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's that too. (laughs) Um, But this time women are more affected. uh, I don't know if this is the, you know, primary cause, but women work in the service industry, right? Mm -hmm. You think of hairstylists, you think of retail, you think of restaurant, hospitality, nursing. Yep. Um, Those are very female, yes, very female heavy industries. And that's potentially a reason why on on top of the childcare needs and staying away from other human beings, but why women took um, such a hit this time around. And our lack of governmental support regarding some of those fields, like teachers. I know some who face the choice of, do I do I abandon my career so that I don't get sick mm-hmm. or do I keep teaching these children? And their choice was, I can't get sick. I have MS or I have yeah. underlying conditions, so I need to stay home even if, if they have the ability to do so. And I think what's interesting is that we're kind of skipping ahead, but this is fine. But uh, <laughs> that's that that decision was happening on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So when when school came back around, right? We had the spring. Everybody went home. My entire family was home for almost three months. That sounds great. My it was actually great. <laughs> I mean, my husband wasn't making any money. He's a barber, so um, he did not work until June. But um, he was able to help with schoolwork while I was able to focus on. Um, completely changing how we run (laughs) RDI as a business. So um, could not have done that if we were not in a complete lockdown. There's absolutely no way. Um, But when school came back around, parents had to make a decision on do I send my children to school if school was even offering an in-person option. And that's a terrifying decision. You feel guilty, right? Because you're like, these poor teachers, my poor child, like, am I going to get my child sick? Yeah. Um, Children are just little Petri dishes walking around. I did read, though, (laughs) that that children aren't spreading it as much as we initially thought. Well, that's that's awesome. Especially when they're in a school that has those safety measures in place, like masks and distance and yada, yada, yada. Imagine masks working. That's 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 extremely exciting. Who knew? (laughs) Um... But no, so I think everybody was making that decision, teachers for their career, mm-hmm. and then parents, yes, also for their career, but there's, there's, there was no right answer, period. There no. was absolutely no right answer. All Could I do 100% re- remote learning? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I got my kids for two days this week, and they're in somebody else's office while they teach them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, there was a lot of anxiety around that, because I think in August, September, it was still fairly new. And we hadn't quite seen the numbers that we saw in the fall. But yeah, so I mean, you had a lot of women exiting the workforce, up to 2 million um, so far. In September 2020, four times as many women left the workforce as men, which is crazy. I mean, that's just evidentiary proof that this does affect women differently than men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, you, you have... The numbers, right? What drove women out of the workforce? There's childcare cost, the risks of sending your kid to a daycare that, mm. phew, daycare, they already smell like diapers. 
So like throw in a deadly virus. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Um, and then and depending on what the, your job is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not to mention the cost yeah. of childcare. The, yes. Which often can equate to a woman's pay <laughs> entirely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pre, pre-COVID, you had moms who stayed at home anyway because the cost of childcare was too much. Yeah. Or it was, uh, you know. It's even, even. So why not just stay home? Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, depending on your job, if you're facing the public and maybe you've got a child with health health conditions or mm-hmm. you have health conditions or family that lives in the home that does, I mean, um, there's a lot of reasons that throw uh, moms out of the workforce. And I think, obviously, the proof is in the numbers. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, we, we talk about families and, and the comparison of, of mothers versus fathers, but we haven't even touched on single moms oh. uh, who literally do all of it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times with single moms, that support system is grandparents or aunts and uncles or other family members. And what were we told at the beginning of the pandemic? Don't see grandma. Don't yeah. see grandma. Um, and so you're left with a decision of, and, you know, you don't want to put your mother in that position to say, oh, who cares about my health? I'll babysit your child so you can go to work for and some however have, much per you hour. Know? Yeah. So I, I have neighbors that... They always watch the kids after mm-hmm. school, and they just do it anyway. And it's, I mean, it's an impossible situation. Do, which do you choose, yourself or your family? I think most of us would say our family. But it's that kind of do you put your oxygen mask on first yeah. uh, on the plane, or do you help the child? It's just, it's, uh, I can only help if I'm okay. And so, yeah, I, I'm rambling. but Well, and I think what, you know, I think what was so difficult is, we say, do you choose your family or do you choose your livelihood? Like, what is your family without your livelihood? What's, yeah. If you can't afford to, if you're not making money, you can't have a home. And you what's your livelihood have... without your family? Like, that's the reason you go to work. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it was an impossible decision. And I had countless conversations with not just moms, with, with dads as well on like, what, what do we even do? Yeah. And you kind of just have to go with your gut or get creative. I... Um, three days a week, I leave the office early to get my son off the bus so that he's not going to school and daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's stressful, but we've made it work and nothing's going to be perfect. So it is what it is right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think removing the judgment of some of those choices, like, uh, especially right now, we really just have to start meeting people where they are. Mm -hmm. Stop judging other people's decisions like this. If we are, we need more compassion right now with ourselves, with others, with mothers, with fathers, just meet, meet each other where we are and quit judging their decisions. I mean, we're in survival mode, right? Like we're still there. And I think that largely, I think a lot of folks is, mindset has shifted probably since the holidays and like we didn't have a a billion people didn't die so everyone thinks you know I don't know yeah the COVID's not still out there but we're still seeing higher numbers than we saw when we were scared so um yeah I mean we're still in survival mode we're still just figuring it out so yeah, women in the workforce leaving in drastic numbers and then dealing with incredibly stressful situations like I was blessed enough to be able to keep my job mm-hmm. and and work from home, that which is an incredible privilege. Yep. I was really, really scared that I was not going to be able to do my job. Um, 
uh, because at the time I didn't have a car. So I took public transportation to get into work. And um, I don't know if you've ever been on a bus, but it's like everyone licking you as you immediately get on. (laughs) So I personally loved riding the bus. I rode it for a couple of years when I lived in Clifton and worked in Norwood, but it was pretty gross. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it'll do wonders for your immune system for sure. Um, but <laughs> but it was very scary because I was facing that choice. Do, if my work says I can't work from home, do I keep risking it or do I just quit? Well, and so that was a big, that was a big concern. I would say late February, um, we started a COVID task force, right? Because we saw what was happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. And while it hadn't quite hit the U.S. yet, I want to say it was Ohio was one of the first states to shut to, down. To lock down. Yeah. Yes. Uh, our governor did wonders and, yeah. and shockingly helped us lock down early. And so we had, I think, 1,500 plus employees at the time um, that were all working on site. I mean, I think we had a handful of folks sprinkled at home, but one of the biggest things, I mean, one of the things I thought of, of course, at first was when are the schools going to shut down? Because yeah. when the schools shut down, then people aren't going to be able to come to work. Yeah. And whether so, we need them to or not, it's just impossible. Yeah. We were kind of fighting two timelines, right? Like, which is going to happen first? Are the schools going to shut down or is everything going to shut down? And are we going to be told we can't have people in the office? Mm-hmm. And so we made probably one of the biggest pushes we've made as a company and got all 1,500 plus employees home across like two weeks, I want to say. It was insane. It was kind of invigorating. I was so (laughs) impressed and just like, I've never felt more a part of a family than I did at that moment because I'm just like, wow. I mean, we're talking calls every two hours, running through spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of like, Okay, what's this person's internet speed? What kind of computer do they have? Do they have a cell phone? How many minutes do they have? Do they have a landline? Right. We did it (laughs) for every single person. And I think I try to to think about that when I'm feeling stressed out or I'm feeling I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, look at what we did, right? Like, yes, we're very tired. Um, But it's it's pretty cool that we were able to do that and not lose a single person because we couldn't let them work, right? Yeah. Folks left because of various reasons, health reasons, mm-hmm. child care. Um, I mean, everyone has their personal right. reasons. There's, it, we're going to have attrition or the loss of employees right. for any reason. But, but we didn't drive any of that. And that's yeah. that was very important to all of us, I think. Um, Which is an amazing privilege. Yes. Like, it's an amazing privilege that, I I mean, think about it. We have entry-level employees that were able to work at Mm -hmm. home. Um, A lot of these essential jobs are entry-level, so they didn't have the ability to, I mean, you can't stock shelves at Kroger from home. home. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were able to offer that for a lot of people, and I was incredibly proud to be someone that worked for RDI in that moment. Yeah. It was, it was very, very cool. Um, but yeah, so I think we also kind of got off topic, but um, no, it's, that it's was awesome. Yeah. And now we are all <laughs> shifting on how, I personally don't like working from home. Um, I did it first. 
I didn't like it at all. Then I liked it. Now I hate it again. <laughs> yes. So first quarantine, right? Whole family is there. I could get most of what I needed to get done. Whipped fine, coffee. Right? We were good. Banana bread, sweatpants, tie-dye, did all of the things. Yes. Um, Didn't you dye your hair for a hot minute? Too? I dyed my hair green. I love that. And no, then I, I, mean, and then I found out I about am- a QBR I had to be on, and I was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wasn't going anywhere, so I needed green hair. Um, so then, yeah, the second, I had a second quarantine. My husband got COVID in September. Oh my God. And I might have, I don't know. We, we only know that he did. Yeah. Um, and that was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, my husband was in a basement for 10 days and my son had virtual school and interestingly, all other site directors and senior leaders were in lean certification that week. So I was like the What's only person. <laughs> lean certification is like Six Sigma. Okay. So um, like a leadership certification skill. I don't know. I didn't go through it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I was, in, I was in quarantine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was one of the few people that were able to participate in like client calls and really anything that was going on. So a lot of weight shifted to you. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, and at one, it was also the week of my birthday and my anniversary. Like, don't even get me started. It was a rough situation. Um, but yeah, I mean that that you know that was a very extreme example of the balance, right? When you're a nurse, a teacher, a site director. I don't think that's balance. That's just a lot of weight. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely <laughs> that's a balance. Like balance just like fell over and you're buried There's under an a anvil. bunch of stuff on top of me. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was a struggle, but. Somehow I got through it. I think I had a lot of chocolate and, um, Well, I I don't – I think it's important not to attribute that solely to chocolate. Like, you are a pretty awesome lady that loves working for RDI and has amazing skill sets that got you here. So you're – oh, my gosh. I try to work very hard. You're welcome. (laughs) But, yeah, so talking about the balance or the non-balance of being a mom and working, um – We've talked about the decision to send kids back to school. I think that's probably one of the the, the most difficult choices and what probably drove a lot of those numbers um, of yeah. moms leaving the workforce. But um, I found an interesting quote. Where is it? Let's see. Um, well, this one, it was a New York Times article from this month, actually, that was written by a psychiatrist. Oh, that's the one you texted to me at 9 o'clock yes. at night. I love it. <laughs> um, it was like, it, it was talking about how mothers have been betrayed in the pandemic. Mm. Um, that's a, that's a harsh word. It is a harsh word, but yeah. it's a harsh situation. Situation too. Well, said the bad word. I don't know if we can say that on the podcast. Um, it's our podcast. But no, it said, so the psychiatrist says that every single mother she has treated during the pandemic is dealing with decision fatigue, which I did not have a word for that until I read this article. Isn't that so validating? Just like when you learn yes. a word for something you've been experiencing your entire life. <laughs> like when people ask me what I want to eat, it sends me into like a full blown, like I, if you only so understood moment- the amount of decisions I have made today. Pick food for me. I can't do anything else. Yep. That's how I would describe decision fatigue. I never realized how much of a weight it it put on me until I started a diet. And they were talking about, it was an app. Um, I've already quit. But um, (laughs) they told you, basically, in order to make decisions easier for yourself, decision does take emotional um, 
bandwidth away from you. Mm-hmm. So uh, to make things easier by removing the decisions, yeah. um, it takes a lot of pressure off. And it's like, as we discussed, women are the decision makers of the household. Yeah. So that's a big emotional weight. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And I, I don't, I until the pandemic, I don't think I really felt the pressure of that, right? Because mm-hmm. then I was dealing with like a deadly virus, as I said, um, <laughs> to make decisions about. But yeah, so it says dealing with decision fatigue, rage, and powerlessness, which I thought was wild. Rage, yeah. And it compares, we like to use the word burnout a lot. Yeah. Um, and this was a quote I liked. It said, betrayal d- actually describes what my patients are feeling exactly. While burnout places the blame and thus the responsibility on the individual and tells working moms they aren't resilient enough, betrayal points directly to the broken structures around them. Yeah. Um, That felt great to read. (laughs) Yeah. It's like there – I mean, just even not as a working mother, there have been times where I'm just like – you look at social media and you see like, oh, my family went apple picking in mass. And I'm just like, I can't go to the grocery store and not feel guilty for looking through the makeup section when I was, <laughs> when I should have just gone in and gone out. Right. That's another five minutes that I could have been contracting COVID. Uh, so yeah, it just. Yeah. I think because a lot of the conversation around COVID has been, you know, Almost, I'm not strong enough, or I'm not as strong guilt as them. Trippy, yeah. yeah. Um, and not just about resilience, but like about the decisions you make mm-hmm. as a family, right? Like some people might view going a four-person deep apple picking excursion as irresponsible. Yeah, but that family could have been in their house for 14 solid days and needed to get out in the freaking sunshine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- these are impossible decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more grace all around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that betrayal, I, I do feel that heavily. And it's not, I don't think that's looking to government or uh, to workplace systems of support. Like, you should have been there for me. It's more like a, why didn't we think of this before? And, yeah. Or why weren't we heard when we brought it up? Well, and I think there there are some, I think there are some necessary policies that could be written from a government standpoint. I think employers do play a big role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of what I read about is that, you know, companies and employers were not set up for this. I mean, nobody was set up for this, right? The world um, wasn't ready to go home. She wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> she wasn't ready. But... You know, we, we, we wasn't ready. Um, and so, you know, we look, we can look to employers and say, like, what are you doing for your employees? And I think that that's now in 2021, at least from RDI's standpoint, we're just now in a position to be able to do that, right? Because we've been in survival mode. I mean, we were like, thank, thank the Lord we're an essential business. Like, because what would we have done, you know? Well, and I think that there's probably some more that we could do and and talk about. I know that there's been some conversations about taking time off, paid time off, and what can we do to encourage that um, and and, and help establish a better balance. And there's a lot to it. But those are the conversations that are starting to happen is, okay, we were treading water for eight, nine months, um, and 
thank God we survived. And not only did we survive, but we, we thrived, we thrived yeah. somehow. I, w- I was ready to say throve. <laughs> I was like, what's the past tense of thrive? <laughs> um, but now we're in a position where we can start actually focusing our brains on not what work at home setup works for this client, but how can we make this better for our employees and mm-hmm. how can we establish that balance because this ain't going away anytime soon. Um, and so, but yeah, I think, I think a lot can be put on the government. I think a lot can be put on, um, employers, but I think that there just hasn't been enough time for that to happen yet, which is crazy to think about. Absolutely. It's like it's been 18 years, 84 years. <laughs> it's been 84 years <laughs> since we were just talking about how in a couple of weeks, it'll be a year since I've yeah. sent home. So it's just bonkers. Um, yeah, so. This is all very upsetting and it's hard, but what are some things that we can do about it? Like, obviously, write and call your senators, <laughs> but there's like, uh, what can we do about it ourselves and what can we ask RDI to do? Yeah. So I think, um, I think first and foremost, you kind of have to like, you have to look out for yourself, right? Like, we're putting, there's already pressure, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and as women, we put a lot more pressure on ourselves, oh, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Based on a lot of societies. I get mad failures. at myself that I didn't meditate. Do you realize how obnoxious <laughs> that is? Like, I get mad that, like, oh, I didn't meditate seven days in a row. I only meditated five days. And it's like, that defeats the whole Your purpose. chakras are all over the place. They really are. And then I get mad at myself. I got to go watch a Reiki video or something. And it's just like, it, it's, there's so much pressure even on just self-care. Like, oh, my nails aren't done. I'm like, yeah. So as we talk about what we can do, I'm going to run through a list that was in this New York Times article that I thought was very helpful. And it does not just apply to women or mm-hmm. mothers. I think this could go for anyone. Um, and self-care, it's interesting that you brought up because one of the things that uh, it says is start saying no, even to self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about mental load, right? Like even yeah. even just saying, oh, I want to go get my nails done or I want to go get a haircut. Your girl hasn't had a haircut in like eight months, since May. Like I mean, the day I wasn't going to say anything. I'm, I'm kidding. No. I'm completely kidding. It's pretty bad. No, you're very cute. You have your little, your French braided pigtail thing. That's my, I fell asleep I, with my hair wet hairstyle. I, no, I love it. I love it. It's very um, honey. It's very um, Jessica Alba. Uh, what's mm. that movie with the the girl that's like the boxer or whatever? She bites Million her Million Dollar Baby? Off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all right. I don't like Hillary Swank Just, or Jessica Alba, but I'll take it. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't bite your own tongue off. Spoiler alert. <laughs> That's how we're gonna end the podcast. Just Nobody keep... bite their tongue off. Clint today. Is what's if you didn't get bite your tongue you. off today, it was a good day. That's the standard. <laughs> that's that's. It takes a lot off of my mental load. So, <laughs> yeah. So say say no even to self care. Um, true self care. Is recognizing you're the only one who can give yourself permission to take back your time and energy. Ooh. Oh, say that again. True, the true work of self-care is recognizing you are the only one who can give yourself permission to take back your time and energy. That was like a Mufasa right. moment. So <laughs> it's not it's not a face mask. 
It's not a bath. That's okay. not self-care. It feels great. Okay. But I like face <laughs> I love a good face mask. I take a bath every weekend night. That is my time away from everyone. Yes. Um, but part of that is because I've set a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. Self-care is setting those boundaries with your family, with your partner. With yourself. With your job. Um, <laughs> like actual self-care is saying, I need a minute. Mm. Or I that's too much for me. Or this is what's realistic. This is the priority. This is what has to take a back seat. So, yeah. you know, that ties back into working mothers is do you decide your family or your livelihood, but your family is your livelihood or livelihood mm-hmm. helps something? It, it, it's <laughs> a vicious cycle. Your livelihood helps saying. something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have to start saying no. And I think it, that's not just moms. That's not just women. That's literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to stop checking stuff off your list and just watch a movie or something. I, I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about boundaries a lot. <laughs> I think we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing is recognize how you're feeling is systemic and not your fault. Not systematic. Not systematic. Oh, I'm sorry. That's really been bugging me for I a actually corrected somebody on a Facebook post. Systemic. Go ahead and break that word down. So what is the difference between systemic? What does that mean? So uh, Kelsey, <laughs> I do not know the difference in those words, but I know Kel- which I'm one like, to use. I'm like, break it down. And she's like, no. <laughs> so systemic means that there, from my understanding, that there are structures set up to be a certain way. And those certain things, the way that those things are done Affecting a group or system such as a body, economy, market, or society as a whole. So I think it's something that, like I was saying, the social structures are set up to handle things a certain way. We are. <laughs> so yeah, the the issues, the the, the reason you feel. I'm sorry. I can't. Ah. All right, so you're, the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling is systemic, right? It is because as a society, as a country, as the world was not prepared for this. Yep. Um, and everybody's kind of figuring it out. Um, I like to always say we're, we're all going through life for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, I am Buddhist, but like, <laughs> unless you remember all of your past lives, uh, most people don't. Uh, we're all going through this. Do you? First- <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we're all going through life for the first time. Yes. So I am the oldest I've ever been. And my life is literally just all of my decisions culminated into one big cluster. That's I'm not that's saying deep. that word. Yeah. So <laughs> hashtag deep, hashtag um, deep rock Chopra. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So we're all going through life for the first time. Uh, what was I even saying? Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the whole statement of recognize how you're feeling is systemic and not your fault. Yeah. Give it, give yourself grace. There was nothing to prepare anyone for this. So you are stressed out because you are overworked on every single level and it's not your fault. You just feel the way that you feel. Um, another thing is let go of making the right choice. So we've spent a lot of time on that. We won't go back into it, but, um, saying things to yourself as if I were a better mom. Oh, no. Which is something that plays repeatedly every day. There's no such thing as a better mom. You're a mom. Oh, well. 
you're you're just you're a mom doing you. Literally every decision that I make, um, I feel guilty about. It's called mom guilt. It's a thing. Really? Every decision I make. If I let my kid watch YouTube, if I come up to this and record a podcast and leave if my you kid don't let your kid watch like, YouTube, if I don't let my kid watch YouTube, if I um, force my child to go outside even though he doesn't want to, or I just let him sit, it's it's relentless, dude. Oh my god, I don't want to be a mom. Yeah, it's constant. Yeah. So I mean, I um, thought about it for a minute, but not. Mm. Yeah, and so <laughs> specifically hard. around the pandemic, or maybe I guess this applies to everything, when you find yourself getting caught in these thoughts, it says stop and recognize your brain is telling you there's a right choice and there is not a right choice. Oh. You wrong, brain. <laughs> I like that. I like there is no right choice. There are just choices. It's very zen. Yeah, I I'm guess. It's also very overwhelming for me um, because – I'm an anxious like, person and I'm also a Virgo. It's actually the opposite of Zen. <laughs> so I'm going to need there to be a right choice and I need to make it. Did um, you say you're a Virgo? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, am I don't know what that means, but. Um, I'm a perfectionist. Okay. I like order. I'm not very outgoing. Okay. Um, this explains why we're friends. Yeah. I'm a Capricorn. I don't know what that means either. I don't know much about it. I think it's very Capricorn of me to say that. <laughs> I've been told that, but I don't. I heard just um, Virgos are people that when they, um, when you're doing something, they lean in to help you because you're not doing it the right way. That's a Virgo in a nutshell. I hate when people lean in, especially during a panoramic. <laughs> a panorama. <laughs> um, let's see. A couple more things. We're almost done. Um, be kind to yourself. That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, my home feels chaotic because the world is chaotic, not because I'm a bad mom. Also, uh, the world's always chaotic. Right. So these are great lessons for outside yeah. of a photogenic. Um, women have internal. This is a quote. Women have internalized a culture that demands they bear the brunt of caregiving while simultaneously devaluing that job. Ooh. Say it again. Women have internalized a culture mm-hmm. that demands they bear the brunt of the caregiving. So you are a woman, you cook, you mother, you do the thing. But also, but it that's also not devalues important. that job because it, oh, is, wor- it is cooking quote worth nothing in this society. So I love how we're the cornerstone, and yet we also kick the cornerstone. Yeah, that's so frustrating. It's, it's tight. <laughs> um. Couple other things. Invest in what feeds you. Do things that you like doing. I actually picked up baking. Oh, look at you. I thought you couldn't make food. So I'm not a good cook. I don't cook. I bake. Bake is scientific and measurements and exact and there's a process. Cooking is like chaos. I love cooking and I cannot bake to save my life. Every time I cook, I don't season the food well enough because I feel like I'm going to over-season it. So that's why I need an exact measurement of what I need. Yeah, I just throw garlic powder until no one wants to be around me Because that's your business? Yeah. And, I mean, Candace doesn't have a problem with it. (laughs) (laughs) What is she, not going to like me? (laughs) I've imprisoned her in my 300-square-foot apartment. She belongs to you. And the last thing you can do... To get through these trying times um, is to channel your rage proactively. Speak up when you are not happy. I'm not happy, Kelsey. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm actually very happy today. (laughs) So that goes back to setting boundaries with your family, with your employer. Uh, 
This was a good quote. The fear of hurting someone's feelings, bothering them, or getting in trouble pales in comparison to the piece of you that is lost when you don't do it. Yeah, I have started saying I don't have space to talk about that right now. Ooh, I need to do that. Yeah. And sometimes I do, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, but today is not that day because I just had a panic attack that I overfed Candace or I lit a candle and apparently essential oils are really bad for cats. So I don't have space to talk about that right now. You are a mom. See, (laughs) every decision I make is awful. You have mom guilt. I have mom guilt because if I light a candle, it might be bad for my cat. If I don't light a candle, someone might walk into my apartment. No one's walked into my apartment. Someone might walk into my apartment and think it smells weird. So. That's mom guilt. That's mom guilt. Let's have an episode about mom guilt. I mean, isn't this our episode about mom guilt? I think this is our episode about mom guilt. I think that's why we're here. But, um, yeah, so talk to somebody. Um, A lot of people. (laughs) Just anybody. (laughs) The guy that (laughs) harasses you at the gas station. Talk to him. So, like, have you heard about mom guilt, sir? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think uh, leaning on your support system, um, whether that's friends or identifying that support system letting Mm -hmm. people go when they're not a part of your support system oh i could preach about letting some people go girl Mm -hmm. Uh, i've 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 said some things about like people like you are not my support system and that is okay so i've never had the issue of having toxic people in my life because i am when it comes to like relationships, it's out of sight, out of mind for me. So if I just straight up don't see people, I do not talk to them. And it's nothing personal. I just... This explains why you didn't talk to me for three years. Yeah. If I'm literally not interacting with you on a daily basis. Yeah. I hear it's an ADD thing. Like object permanence or something. If I don't see it, it's not there. I tend to overshare with people and I have no boundaries. And everyone is my support system. And so they all utterly fail me eventually because they weren't meant to be my support system so yeah so identifying who those people are allowing people in if you're like kelsey letting people go if you're like me you just forget that they exist for a minute (laughs) you know who is our support system uh oh well oh well earn learn live well amen Amen. sponsored by oh (laughs) well Um, so yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks everyone for caring, um, this long to keep listening to this conversation. Um, if you have more thoughts or feelings about this topic or other topics that affect you and or women and or people that love women, um, then write in, tell us about it. Uh, we will have emails in the show notes, as we said before, Um, But thanks, everyone, for listening, and we're so excited to talk to you next week. We need a tagline, like a sign-off. Hashtag leave her better. (gasps) Yeah. Um, No, the – I was going to say one more thing. For those of you who are curious, we're going to be discussing uh, feminism, the history of feminism. What does it even mean? Uh, Does it mean that we hate all men? The answer is yes. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Does it mean that uh, we – don't want to wear bras. No. Um, so, well, <laughs> I mean, I think what I'm going to do for the next episode, Kim, is I'm going to do zero research. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, I get, I get feminism, right? Like, I, I get you? it. 
Probably not. <laughs> I love how I questioned you for one second. I know what you Beyonce like, says. Well, Beyonce didn't say that. She just featured the, the speech in her song. But, um, I mean, I know it's world? about equality, equity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not blah, blah, blah. That's rude. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know the nuances of feminism. I mean, I we're going to talk a little bit about the history. What are you, I, you've probably heard first wave, second wave, third wave. Have heard about that. I don't know what they mean. are in the fourth wave of feminism, I believe. So I'm going to do a ton of research. We're going to talk about that. If you have questions, reach out um, and we'll make sure that it's included. And hashtag leave her leave better. She Who Hustles is a product of RDI Corporation. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of RDI and its affiliates. A quick thank you to those who help facilitate and create this podcast. Producer, Tyler Ernschwinder. Executive producer, Joseph Pinnell. Content created by Kelsey Best and Kim Unstead. Thank you. Have you ever had a shoe made out of a water bottle? <laughs>